on tonight's episode Liverpool in 7th heaven as Manchester United suffer Potter the manager who still lives and Arsenal rise to the occasion this and much more in the Toki Taka podcast Good evening ladies and gentlemen we are back recording after a game week full of surprises fun shock awe and horror for some and we also have some new faces on the pod today welcoming akshay hi akshay welcome to the pod thank you thank you happy to be here uh, long suffering united fan uh, been been a united fan since before they started winning and during the winning and now after so uh happy to happy to chat about stuff when uh, i was maybe still old enough to watch games while well, you guys were still a little younger i think <laughs> and figures you finally picked a day when you could take no more and you had to finally come on the pod and say okay now i have to you speak know, best to start at the bottom then we can move up right and we also have another long suffering oldie <laughs> united fan oldie in terms of the pod ashwin how are you my friend that that long sight as it all i thought yeah i don't i just don't want to talk about the weekend much <laughs> let me put it that okay. way figures yeah. aside finally... aside, from, aside from the fact that the united uh, ladies beat leicester by 5 mm-hmm. goals to 1 that was a that was a good point to talk about that was the only united game <laughs> that happened right yeah no other action mm-hmm. from the weekend <laughs> and as you can see from his grinning face like the cat that got the milk anirudh krishnan radha ji yeah good i mean i don't know why all of you are so glum we had such a such a great time to be alive everything's everything's so positive and bright around the world good time to be on the podcast uh, yeah so looking forward to the episode yeah you know and as we can see you're wearing your blue merseyside Uh, representation as as is your true color anyway let's get down to it uh, what are your talky points and i'm not going to make the united boys suffer too much on this one we'll start off with uh, radha ji you picking one you picking seven how many talky points i mean i could have picked a bunch uh, there were so many moments to pick from but i think every liverpool fans favorite moment of the game was bobby firmino getting getting a goal at the cop end um the the week well a couple of days after he announced that he's not going to be signing a contract with us um so yeah i mean it was a like a whirlwind of emotions of a day it, what happened was just unspeakable incredible but to top that off with a bobby goal uh, at the cop end he came on as a substitute and then still managed to score got a great reception probably even better reception when he came on than when he scored Uh, yeah, so incredible day for Liverpool, but all the better thanks to Bobby. And he decided to do that just the day after I put him out of my draft team. So thanks, Bobby. Right, Ashwin, uh, do you have maybe a talky point, or are you still clinging on to the Carabao from last week? <laughs> no, uh, I think like obviously there's a lot to talk about, uh, but there's not a lot to smile about uh, as a United fan. but i think there was one really hilarious moment from the match uh, i think it came right towards the end when you know this this uh, liverpool fan uh, you know runs on, onto the pitch and you know he runs the entire length of the pitch and goes to celebrate with the liverpool uh, you know players 
and literally slide tackles like two of the two of the Liverpool players, and then you can see Klopp, you know, literally furious. Like it was, it was so funny to watch. I know. I hope, like, I think it was Andy Robertson and, like, uh, I can't remember the other player that he seemingly injured, but, uh, like, that that expression on Klopp's face was like, you idiot, you really want to injure more of my players. I think that was was a really funny one. Yeah, I think that was the only time Robertson got tackled in that game. (laughs) Ouch, ouch, ouch. Right, Akshay. What's your talkie point of the week? I'm actually going to go with a with a non-United because I think there's been enough said about the seven nil and enough word and read uh, to keep us depressed for a few days. But uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I spent a lot of time when I first started watching football detesting Arsenal because of the '97, '98, and the next five years after that. So I've been loathing the moment where they actually might end up winning the title this year. I, I would probably prefer. City to do the three-peat as opposed to the Arsenal winning a title. But seeing what they did against Bournemouth, coming back from another, you know, losing situation and just the way in which they just seemed like they were always going to score. Um, that to me is a moment where I think I finally realized that, you know, Arsenal will probably win the title and they have enough metal in them to actually get through. So, uh, it's a little bit of a flashback to some more depressing times, like I said, to pile mm-hmm. on to the misery of uh, losing 7 I think the Athletic have already done a piece about the celebrations after the game, after after the Reese Nelson goal as well. So then, I think they're probably running out of um, ideas to write content. But anyway, for me, the talkie point has to be yesterday's game, um, qualifying for the next round of the Champions League. There's not much greenery inside for Chelsea fans, so we'll take whatever little slivers of hope we can take. I don't know if we can if we'll get out of the quarterfinal or we'll get out from the quarterfinals, but uh, we shall see. I think there's only one place where we can start. And um, I think we talked about this last week and RK is not here this week, um, but he did say that form goes out of the window when it's something like Liverpool United. Form went out of the window. Conditioning went out of the window. I don't know what else went out of the window. It was like, I mean, I was talking to Ashwin before we started recording. It was like, did your guys have something wrong, some sickness through the camp? I don't know what. Yeah, I, I don't know if they were under the influence, if that's what you're trying to say, Swag. But like, they, it was certainly a very off day. And it, it like last podcast, RK and I were saying that it is Anfield and you never know what can happen at Anfield, no matter what form Liverpool are in. Uh, Liverpool played really well, so all credit to them. But I also want to like talk about how how pathetic how pathetic all of us all all of our players were As I, I want to start with Bruno Fernandes because he was the captain and I totally agree with what Gary Neville said uh, after the game as well like he 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 was just whinging he had his hands up in the air uh, there are rumors that he wanted to get substituted because you know we were losing that much like take responsibility which he did not which he did not do Throughout the game, he had a good chance, mind you, in the first half. He could have scored a header. Uh, fine, he did not score that header. These things happen. But in the second half, when Liverpool scored the second, the third and the fourth, I mean, it was just like proper capitulation. Like They, 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 they did not know what to do. There was no control in the midfield. Uh, Casemiro obviously had an off day. And whenever Casemiro seems to have an off day, United seems to have an off day. But this was like the off days of off days, right? Uh, to concede seven goals at Anfield is just unthinkable. 
I, I really feel for Eric Ten Hag in some sense because no matter what he does, this season would always be known for known as the season where we lost seven hundred to Liverpool. I know we have made a lot of progress. We won our first trophy after six years. We may win another trophy. We 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 might do really well and finish in the top three or top four. But this will always be known as a season where we lost seven hundred to Liverpool. Yeah, I think exactly that. You know, it it overshadows everything that we've done, and it will probably overshadow everything that comes in the next you know three months, right? You we win the FA Cup. It's a double, even though it's the the worst double you can I guess achieve, but would still be a, a great success given where we started the season. But this is this is really what people will talk about. For me, I think what was disappointing to see that I think at you know even at three nil, it looks like the team just said, "Oh, this can't get any worse, so let's just you know stop playing for the rest of the game." Before realizing, irrespective of the season that Liverpool's having this year, they are a very very good team who can punish anybody on their day and. It became worse, worse, worse. You could almost see people are just—they're you know, living through their nightmares, right? As goal after goal went in, and at one point I checked to see if the manager was different for us because I was like, "Is this, you know, is he is Tenag going to break or something to drag me come back as like a ceremonial event to take care of the second half or something?" Because it was surreal for me. Like I'm used to turning off the TV most of last season under Ragnik and saying, "Okay, I can't watch this anymore." But the first time I've ever felt like doing that, you know, uh, with Tenag, but. I think my bigger concern is, you know, without reading too much into the fact that it was maybe an off day, is can this is this a sign of what the next couple of months look like? Because tiredness is a factor. We've been playing two games a week since the World Cup. Um, I just worry that since I've seen a little bit of slow starts with West Ham going behind, right? Is this a sign of things to come? And do we really not have the team we need to get through the next three months? Yeah, uh, I, I think that's a great point. I was talking about this last week as well. We haven't been starting our games really well. Uh, the game against Leicester, I was so sure that we will lose, uh, and then we turned around, turned it around in the second half when we were one nil down, and even when we were two nil down, uh, we had the worst start possible. I somehow had the hope that you know we'll come back, primarily because you know we have been scoring goals despite not playing as well as we should and then also the fact that liverpool had shipped in like five goals against madrid i know we are not real madrid right but like we are we are also like we are not the the, the united from the ragnick days uh, and eric in eric ten hag we actually have a manager who the players believe in in this game it does it didn't it seemed to be like an ole team like the team was just doing what it felt like doing uh, it, it like I'm sure Eric Ten Hag had some some tactics. The team was definitely not following that. Uh, there, there are th- when when your team loses seven nil though, um, the manager has to take some blame as well. I think just before the game, uh, we were talking in the group as well uh, as to Bruno Fernandez starting on the left hand side is was very interesting. Uh, I've seen him start on the right. Obviously, he's played on number ten as well, but. Him starting on the left, boot on number uh, number ten, and then rash, uh, you know, higher up. I don't know if that is, that was the right tactic uh, at that point in time. Uh, it clearly backfired. Uh, but you know, once it was two nil or even three nil, I think uh, uh, you know, uh, Eric Ten Hag should have tinkered around a bit more. He should have probably taken off Anthony much before, who wasn't having the bestest of games. 
so i think overall it was just a really bad day for the manager for the team for for united fans it was it was just a bad day yeah just before i bring radha in i i just have a question about bruno you you mentioned that he was whinging quite a lot etc etc and his captaincy should be taken away but we know that bruno always whinges he he always whinges when things aren't going his way is is he really the sort of player a ten hag would have as captain do you think that uh, this is going to change now or uh, he's yeah, not so going he... to be in consideration no so he we he had a press conference today and he mentioned that bruno is my captain when harry maguire is not playing and harry maguire is not playing any any time soon so he is he is he's just <clears throat> yeah i don't think i think ten hag would publicly write this off but i think he'll be having a conversation with him and he'll be like stop being a cry baby because that's what he was in the game uh, like i i i don't understand like what what he was doing in the game like he it, it wasn't it wasn't just the usual binging right it, he actually like there was a time uh, there was a point in the game where he tried tackling uh, that kick past stitches his name i can never pronounce anyway so he, he he tried tackling him and then he realized that okay fine this kid is too fast for me goes past him and then he he try i think he pushes the linesman as well what what are you doing like and especially at a time and i was listening to this on the athletic podcast it has been widely reported that in the amateur game a lot of referees are actually quitting because there has been a rise in the violence against referees so as as a premier league player as a revered premier league player as the captain of of man united if you do something like that this something clearly wrong with you like it was so disappointing to see that uh, from bruno because i have personally uh you know defended him so much uh just because he has been he's been our captain but yeah it's just it's just it's just yeah it it it's not worthy of uh a man united captain to do all of that yeah i'm uh, completely on board with that i think he was absolutely disgraceful um in the game um it's okay for i think united have not got a good record at anfield in the last i few years it's okay to lose a game i think they've lost 3-0 4-0 before there's nothing that i don't think lots would have happened if that that had happened in, like on sunday but to just stop trying and to just throw your hands up at everything garnacho came on just starts throwing your hands up and like you know pointing fingers at garnacho for for not passing to him and things like that like he looked like a real big time charlie in the in that in that entire game and all the examples that ashwin talked about and he did there was a very clear at 6-0 when rashford was coming off he kept gesturing to the bench to say is it me is it going to be me and when rashford's number actually came on he threw his hands up again it's like that for an opposition captain whether it be a liverpool captain or a united captain going to the other person's ground and behaving like that is just disgraceful i don't think any united as amazing as he is and as uh, huge of an impact he's had um, through all the tough times under ole and all of that and really galvanized seasons in the past i think he's lost a lot of he would have lost a lot of ground in every united fans eyes you don't come to anfield and then behave the way you did and then just stop trying that that batchetic example was 
just comically just let him and you know a few months ago we were on this podcast berating mbappe for doing something similar he didn't get a pass and he just stopped running turned around and walked in the other direction and we were berating him for that that's that's basically what what bruno did when bacetich ran past him right there's an 18 year old kid who runs past you you're the captain you're supposed to be setting the example for everybody i mean it was absolutely disgraceful that said ganacho i think was also terrible for a new young kid to come on in a game like that he didn't track back once in the entire time that he was on um i would i would have thought in a game like this in a situation like that as a young player if you guys remember when when we were leading 4-0 or at anfield or final at old trafford one of them uh, hannibal mujebri came on and then just threw in a bunch of tackles for the heck of it at the end of that like that was the only kind of heart that united showed in that game and today i thought that would have been something that somebody like a ganacho would would really he'll just run his heart out for those 10 15 minutes that he came on he didn't he was just not running back at all that is really poor casemiro i thought was a big hit for us like uh, for liverpool fans it was we were worried about him coming into it he was clearly injured i don't think uh, i'm i'm 99% sure he was injured he he got he passed the ball to uh, elliot at one point and then uh he couldn't catch up with elliot which elliot is not one of our faster players so that that told me and then after that maybe 2 minutes after that he was holding his uh, his hamstring and shin and stuff like that so i think definitely varan and casemiro had something off um on them um the last liverpool the last united player that i i just wanted to touch upon was licha i think licha has been probably the best player at united this season apart from rashford uh and to be absolutely clear i think kara was 100% wrong about him uh he's he's a great player and he will be a good player going forward but i do think this was a really really tough test for him i i don't think he was able to manage the the bulk physicality length and the pace uh, of everything that was happening around him one because shaw was just i don't know what shaw was doing he was letting mosala have a free run on the left so licha kept having to defend one on one and then gakpo 6 foot 3 has a can can hold people off can hold the best of defenders largest of defenders off i think he had his way a bit with uh, with licha as well he he kept winning in the air and he was able to hold him off and finally at the end of the game he was just tackling um for the sake for the sake of it and got yellow cards uh, so yeah i think he had a very very torrid game probably the, the 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 most difficult game that he's had in his united career so far i will not forget uh, how subtly you've thrown in the, when we were leading 4-0 and when we were leading 5-0 at old trafford <laughs> just just a subtle reminder that these things have happened in But the recent was, past you know what that, that was a game where we were completely annihilated i think this was just even though liverpool scored more in this particular game i think that was a game where liverpool played even better so it's even scary to you know to know that what if it was the you know uh, the greatest liverpool sides that have like decimated the previous united teams like could have been 15 for all you care yeah absolutely and and if you guys remember the old trafford we were all joking about it in the group that they basically stopped playing to save ole's job at that point of time right so it was they could have for an entire half of football they just knocked the ball around those those games last season the clubs were at very very different levels from what they are right now in fact at obviously united are at a higher level than liverpool are this season so i don't think this was a 7-0 kind of performance maybe a 3-0 or a 4-1 3-1 kind of performance um but my point uh, 
when I when I made that point, it was the game was lost at that situation when Hannibal came on and did what he did, and there was nobody from United who took even like showed any of that bite or any of that character or attitude that Hannibal showed when he came on, and that was disappointing. I'm sure for every United fan who was watching that game. So Radha, you mentioned that uh, United and Liverpool are at different levels right now, and United are at a higher level, and Liverpool are at a low level. Are Liverpool now at a top four level, or are you still denying that you are in the race for top four? No, no, I am not denying that we are in the race, right? I, I, like even last week when you asked me, I said we are very much in the race, but I don't think that we are going to get there because of all the inconsistencies. But this week was a very, very good week. Um, not only did this this seven nil will see all the what you guys said, right? This entire season of United is always going to be that season where. You lost seven nil at Anfield. This will always hold be on, the season that we beat. Hold on, that that's not what you said. You said you were in the frame. You did not say you were in the race. You said you were in the frame, and and United will finish second, and City will finish third. That's what you said. So so you now and now I'm going to challenge you guys to go back and uh, and re-listen to the episodes. The question was, are you guys in the race? And I, I quoted the question, are we in the race? Yes. But do I think we're going to get there? No. That is exactly what I said. But anyway, coming back to the point, um, I don't think that much has changed in the overall top four uh, situation for us. We we did have a huge boon by uh, Wolves beating Spurs. Uh, that was really unexpected. So Wolves beating Spurs and Newcastle losing to City on Saturday. And then what happened on Sunday happened. Um, anything... Any season when you beat Manchester United seven nil as a Liverpool team and supporting and staff and everything that has to give you a kick. So I do think we we should kick on from here. It should get better from here from what it's been after the World Cup. Um, but I I still I still see that it's going to be a challenge because we play now Spurs, Chelsea, and Man City in three of the next five or three of the next four. So it's going to be a challenge for sure. Um, uh, there could be other teams that gain ground, and by that I mean Newcastle or Spurs. They can gain ground in that period of time. It's going to be challenging, but this is a great way to start this really tough period. Yeah, I think there's uh, quite modesty there after the seven nil to uh, to try to downplay any uh, extra excitement. I mean, I, I think my concern with Liverpool. I mean, not that we're playing them again as as a United fan, but. You know, it's sort of like waking up a sleeping giant, right? Like the you know the win against Newcastle was a nice win, you know, in respect of what Pope did to help that along. But uh, for me, if I looked at the the three teams, you know, between Liverpool, Newcastle, and Tottenham, I see downward trends for like Newcastle. They're starting to show some cracks and conceding much more goals than they have. Tottenham is a mess. Whether Conte is there or not is the same thing. <laughs> you know, they're equally bad most days and good some days, but. This is like, for me, Liverpool's like a sleeping giant that just got woken up. And I think Klopp will use all the extra motivation he gets from this to to really push for the next several months, right? And yeah, there's three tough games coming up, but I wouldn't put it past them to get at least a result or two in a couple of those games, given all the great momentum and the, and the excitement and happiness. So I would say they're probably one of the, you know, for me, the front runners to actually get to that top four spot, if you look from now to the end of the season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think also add that to the fact that Spurs are Spurs, right? So they can always like drop points. And I don't know what the hell is happening with Conte, if he's back, if he's not back. But uh, they are so inconsistent. So I think that really plays in Liverpool's favour as well. So Conte is back, but obviously that's also got to play on their mind, right? He's not there. 
I mean, he's, he's, back back for real is what I meant. Yeah, I because... think he's back now. Uh, tonight's game is the first one where he's back for good. Ah, but, okay. uh, but yeah, that's obviously got to play on the players' minds as well. Mm. One week, uh, it's Stilini who's leading the training. One week, it's Conte. W- what are we doing? And it's it's not good. And probably that's why the blow hot, blow cold. And as Akshay said, Newcastle on a downward spiral as well. Regardless of what Pope did, apart from that as well, Almiron isn't scoring anymore. All his wonder goals. So for me as well, Liverpool uh, front runner. Couple of things that we have to uh, table for Liverpool because I've been very critical in this entire season about Fabinho. Um, I think he was outstanding in this game. Um, he really had the energy and that front foot nature of stepping up and winning the ball even when United had it. Uh, I think that led to the second goal that we scored, the Darwin Nunes header. Uh, he actually picked Casemiro's pocket on that and um, um, eventually that led to the cross that, which Darwin scored. I think Fabinho was superb all through the game. Harvey Elliott was a huge question mark um, that I uh, had prior to the game. Uh, I wanted Bacetich to have played instead of uh, Harvey. But I was he really shut me up in that game. So my, my doubts with him were always that he does these nice nice things on the ball, uh, progressive things on the ball. But can he be the person who presses? Can he also be a defensive-minded midfielder? And I think he was really good at... He was probably one of the best pressers in our game. Um, And defensively as well, he was always supporting the play. He had that extra responsibility of being on the right. Uh, Usually Hendo plays on the right to help Trent out. But this time it was Harvey and I think he did really well. Uh, Touching back to what um, Ashwin said earlier, there was hard... Our, that entire point about Bruno playing on the left, that really helped us because I felt all through, if Trent is good at one thing, it's about those huge switches. And they were playing very narrow. And whoever, so um, Anthony didn't track back, that's point one, but he was always narrow. That left Robertson in huge amount of space all through the game, which Trent was able to find multiple times through the game. Um, and the fact that Trent always gets worried when you have somebody with a real physical superiority like a lot of pace or a lot of power. He, he struggles with guys like that. And the guy in the United's team who has that is Rashford. So I was really delighted to see that he was not playing on the left uh, up against Trent. I think Trent's mind space would have been all about worried about Rashford and not thinking about going forward if that had happened. I think Bruno offers a threat which Trent can manage uh, on, an, on an any given day. But Rashford would have posed something totally different. But so Trent and Robertson, I think Robertson was probably man of the match, if not for Salah. I mean, we just take it for granted with Salah, but what a game he played. Our top scorer in the Premier League now, that's no mean feat. After so many years of having successful teams, good teams, he is now cross Robbie Fowler in the goal score. That's that's pretty incredible um, in probably, what, six seasons, five seasons. So, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And he... The, the play against Licha will never... He's done this to some of the best defenders in the world. He's done it to Koulibaly. He's done it to Laporte. He's done it to... Um, I think he did it to somebody. At, he did it to Watongan at Spurs. And Licha, that, that crisscrossing run, which leaves the centre-back completely confused. He's just so good at that and played an amazing ball for Gakpo. And now coming to Gakpo. I mean, I think he really announced himself. Um, he had the, those moments against Newcastle and against... Uh, Everton, but he, he, there's no better way to do it than against United at Anfield. Um, the two goals he scored were just outstanding goals. The first goal reminded so much so much of that Martial goal that they scored. And the second goal was just world-class finishing. Um, 
amazing um, while definitely united played a huge part in the game and and the scoreline some of the quality and and uh, finishing acumen and counter attacking from liverpool was great to see rather quick question for you uh, we saw gakpo nunez and salah score uh, a brace each do you think this is like the emergence of the, a new front three absolutely so if you i think there was a lot of chat on the group about that 5-1 um, at arsenal and um, i think we've we've had similar kinds of games with sala bobby and mane as well where they they were a work in progress and then suddenly there was one game which kind of really blew things apart and they started to believe that they are a really good um, really good team so i think that could be the moment for this these three the really interesting thing would be and it's a great problem to have is that luis diaz should be about to come back anytime now uh, and he was like a given he was probably the first name on the team sheet all through the time when he was not injured so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens next from a selection point of view but this could be the watershed moment for these three i i totally agree like um they seem to have a really good connection in and amongst each other i think gakpo and nunez were swapping left and center very very smoothly sala was confident enough to keep finding people running between the behind the lines he's already had that amazing couple of assists to gakpo who's just beating the line superbly so yeah i think it was really good and good for nunez as well to get a couple of goals because he keeps doing the good lot of hard work and things well but he's not had the goal output as much as say everyone would have wanted or expected so good to see him chip in with the goals i think definitely this could be a real kick starter for these three that's a lot of chatter about liverpool and united i think uh, we'll move on chelsea and we're recording this the day after the dortmund tie and chelsea got over the line finally some silver lining to this big dark cloud that's been at stamford bridge all season long mm, is it enough i don't know but at least we're in the quarter finals uh, so fair play to the team and it did seem that the players if you can say things in those stereotypical football terms it seemed that the team was fighting for potter they didn't seem to have given up on him so um, hopefully it means that things are well between them i mean yeah i i'm pretty sure i would say that nothing doing he has to go today itself but uh, yeah i would say the last two games have seen a bit of an improvement but i think uh, rather you were mentioning this uh, in the last episode as well that it's it's an unwinnable situation that he is in so regardless of what he does you he's been dumped with all these players who need to be played in specific positions or formations and one of the biggest squads right now in terms of number of players so yeah i was going to say like i was watching the line i actually saw some of the game yesterday i was watching the players come out i didn't recognize half of them i looked at this one guy and i feel like i've seen it somewhere but i don't remember what his name is i don't know what his jersey number is <laughs> like, i have no idea what this jersey number guy is then i looked at this team shirt like oh this guy they bought from aston villa you know long time ago for 20 million and signed to the 16 year contract when he is age 18 <laughs> yeah such yeah. are the days i i think i think we should we should like spend like a minute more and just talk about how um, potter has actually um, got two huge results and maybe some pressure should get reduced we spent a lot of time in the previous episode basically saying he's he's out the door and come on who's next and all of that so i mean fair play we i did mention that their entire season and his 
life depends on the Champions League. I honestly didn't see them getting past Dortmund. Um, so huge props for actually getting through. I think there was some controversy around the penalty. Uh, one, whether it was actually a penalty, whether it was... Uh, then I heard about... I didn't watch the game, but I heard that there was a retake which because of an encroachment and there was a very slow run-up and lot, both sides are feeling like um, are on opposite ends of the spectrum on this. So, but still, all you need, I think in these situations, you need a little bit of that luck and it just needs to start turning around for, for Potter really quickly because... Now it's what, four wins in 17? It's better than two wins in 15, I guess. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And yeah, I would agree. You, 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 you can say that these penalties have been given. You can say that these would not have been given. It's, it depends on the, on, the, on the referee and VAR on that day. But uh, yeah, the retake one was, uh, was uh, pretty funny because it was a very slow run-up. But I think there were three Dortmund players in the box. And then when it was retaken, they were like, yeah, you know what? We would rather just stand here, not move at all, because they'll they'll probably order a retake. But uh, also kudos to Havertz because he took the first one, it hit the post and went out. And uh, yeah, he 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 stepped up again. So so good for him. Sterling also scored. Sterling scored two offside goals as well, but one of them was so blatantly offside that. I don't think Dortmund were even defending. Yeah, it. I just say I feel bad for Havertz because he scored a goal, which is pretty rare, <clears throat> and they got disallowed. So we wonder how many more games they'll have to wait for his next. He's like used up all his good luck in this game and only got one goal out. Yeah, I don't think Abbas got any sympathy for 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 Havertz <laughs> missing at this point of time. Uh, but yeah, I think one. Um, uh, I, I didn't watch the game, but the XG stats are quite telling. I think in the first half, um, Dortmund were only able to come up with zero point zero six HD XG and. Uh, Chelsea had 1.46, so it was clearly a really dominant performance from a chance creation point of view. And at the end of the game as well, very, very healthy stats for, for Chelsea. So it does look like, I, I think RK mentioned three, four episodes ago that the underlying stats were good for Chelsea and maybe it's a matter of time. Maybe this is the start of that turning around and a little bit of luck is all it takes, I guess, between getting sacked and being the best manager of all time and winning the Champions League. Let's see. What the future brings, something similar happened to Sir Alex Ferguson, I think, at some point of time in history. But uh, we shall see. Okay, and listeners, just, just, well. just putting, it, putting it out there, listeners, uh, Swag has just called Graham Potter a potential Alex Ferguson. Exactly. This, that's, 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 that's exactly what I've said. Uh, another guy who was about to be sacked, potentially going to be sacked, is doing pretty well, is uh, Mikel Arteta. And uh, his team, as Akshay mentioned at the beginning of the episode, came back from the brink with this wonderful winning goal with the last kick of the game. And um, Radha, you want to jump back, hop bandwagons from Liverpool to Arsenal. Give us a percentage of what you feel now is their percentage for winning the league. Nothing's changed. Like I said, I, I, the only thing that perhaps in my predictions uh, that will change, of course, is... Uh, United finishing second. I think this will be a blow for United and Man City will struggle, will have their hiccups and they might end up finishing second because United also are, may not be as consistent as they once were. But for Arsenal, nothing has changed. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I was 100% sure. Even on 94 minutes, I was 100% sure that that winner is coming. After what happened at Aston Villa, I've, I'm completely like... I, I don't think these guys can... Uh, their mentality is already there where it needs to be. I think they're finding heroes and they've been doing this all season. They've been finding heroes in the most 
in the crazy craziest places and the names that you don't expect to be heroes but yeah this was really pushing the limits like 98 97 98th minute reese nelson left foot volley i mean i i don't i i hope you guys saw ian right celebration i absolutely love ian right and uh, he's, he's just an amazing pun like fun guy and pundit and really nice guy seems like um so his celebration was just superb to watch um and i was expecting it and i think arsenal are the real deal i think 85 15 is where i was and it doesn't change yeah i think it it, it would have been criminal if arsenal ended up drawing point uh, you know losing points sorry uh, to bournemouth uh, just because of the stats as well right they had 31 shots uh, uh, against bournemouth's four uh, and they had i think around 78 or 80% of the possessions which is just crazy uh, i i know there were a few penalty decisions as well which they could have got but they didn't get so had that winner not come in it would have been again again a discussion around you know the poor refereeing standards and all of that uh which would have been fun to listen to but like but but still but still i think uh, arsenal definitely deserved um uh, deserved uh, this uh the three points and uh, it was great to see like the emirates rocking as well because historically that has not been a stadium where you know uh that has seen like late winners and like people celebrating and you know uh the roof basically coming off because the fans are just going wild uh, and again i uh, plus one to the ian right celebration i think it was so good to watch uh, <laughs> it just it, it's just like the kid in ian right celebrating celebrating that yeah i i uh, i'm i'm definitely not a closet fan anil at some point uh, but i i fear for what this might be for the next several years of uh, of arsenal and being good team but anyway the more the merrier for challenges for for united i guess yeah i'm just looking forward to next season with a rejuvenated and ahead of schedule arsenal ahead of schedule man united and ahead of schedule newcastle or all fighting for the championship and and uh, liverpool i don't know what liverpool will do in the summer will probably define what what sort of challenge liverpool poses in terms of uh, their midfield yeah, by the new uh... it might it, it might all change it might all change if the qatar is biased <laughs> so there might might not be any challenges there yeah then it would be easy mode on gauntlet, fifa just, just gauntlet everyone thrown down if the qataris by united so okay just to recap so we've got uh, graham potter is equal to alex ferguson and if the qataris <laughs> by united come city come newcastle you guys are nowhere to be seen united are what glory glory and all of that <laughs> listen i think this one will be a shorter pod for you to listen because uh, for for all our discussion and all our life we could not figure out a talky game for uh, the upcoming game week but tonight we've got spurs versus milan uh, and more importantly we've also got bayern versus psg that's a big one um, one of the challengers for real madrid will be knocked out tonight let's see who that is it's just one nil so as chelsea showed last night uh, doesn't doesn't hold too much ground particularly when you're talking of such a heavyweight battle such as bayern psg and uh, any thoughts on uh, any anyone placing any bets on either of those two sides bayern for me i'm going to go psg i think um, i think some of the connections with messi and mbappe in the recent weeks have been um, have been really world class and it's a moments it's going to be a game of moments for sure i think for psg bayern are the better probably more well oiled uh, machine and i think sadio's back and 
um, they should be in good good form for that game. I think PSG are more disjointed. They've had a pretty poor um, post-World Cup season. And Neymar has just been announced as uh, being out for the season. And a lot of people um, feel that maybe PSG will play better without Neymar. So uh, that's, but that's not going to change for a one-day situation. I think it's going to come down to Messi and Mbappe's magic. Um, and I think that that is in play here. I don't think the lead is that significant for um, for it to be like we've seen with Chelsea just now. I think it can be turned over. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm actually going to go the underdog route and say PSG. Not often that you call PSG an underdog, but uh, I'm going to say PSG for this for this fixture. We'll wait and watch what happens, and we'll reconnect next week with the results of uh, the Champions League and Europa League games. Do we have Europa League this weekend? This this midweek? Ah, yes. You're, you're trying to buy tickets. <laughs> wow. Were, were, were you finally able to buy tickets? Suddenly somebody the beats, beats Dortmund. Yeah, somebody beats Dortmund and they're like, oh, all these... All these ch- the real challenges to Madrid are actually Chelsea. Right? So yeah, yeah abs- abs- absolutely. Not Bayern, not PSG, not City. It's Chelsea. Not Napoli, who incidentally lost uh, in the Serie A this, this yeah. week for a change. This is only their second loss. Swag is swag is changing the topic hastily, but I think he's <laughs> he's jinxed he's jinxed Chelsea way too much <laughs> this episode. And as we've seen historically on this pod, anyone who I praise goes to shit. So, by speaking of speaking of speaking of uh, teams that um, Swag has jinxed, uh, I think Liverpool are playing Bournemouth next. Are they? Yep. Yeah, so it's another nine nil on the on the cards. Yeah. After the nine nil and sacking sacking of Gary O'Neill because I praised him as well once. So. No comments. I'm done. All the jinx gods are are working hard at this already. I can see. So no comment. RK, we miss you. Anyway, I think we'll wrap it up here, uh, listeners, and uh, we'll reconnect next week. And for the time being, have a good evening. Bye bye.